Brands and Barbed Wire is sponsored by Cattle Bear and Cigars. Cattle Bear and Cigars has a rich, natural, aromatic, classic tobacco flavor. Made with the finest tobacco, perfectly blended for the most pleasant, satisfying, long ash you can buy anywhere. Cattle Bear and Cigars has consistently scored an excellent in the 90s on their reviews. For more in-depth information on Cattle Bear and Cigars, Listen to our Brian Mussard podcast episode and visit CattleBaronCigars.com. Welcome to Brands and Barbed Wire. I'm your host, Jim Johnson, and I'll take you behind the brands and we'll look through the barbed wire at some of the most iconic ranches in the world. So sit back, kick off your boots, and prepare to be entertained as I introduce you to those captivating stories from the legends of the brands and where there's no barbed wire that's going to hold us back. Welcome back to another episode of Brands and Barbed Wire. Today we get the opportunity to visit with a family operation and hear about their love for the cattle, the land, and their passion for breeding and raising good Hereford and Angus cattle in the sand hills of Nebraska. Living the dream is a cliche you often hear when you ask folks how they are doing. But for Jason Hoffman of Hoffman Angus Ranch, it really is how he feels about going to work every day. So let's jump right in on our conversation with Jason Hoffman. Jason, welcome to Brands and Barbed Wire. Well, thanks for having me. Um, what a neat uh, deal you got going here. And I did listen to a couple of them and really like them. And, um, I like the name of it, and I think it's just a really neat way to get out the people. Yeah, we appreciate that. It's uh, it's been fun, and you know we we try to introduce folks uh, to different operations in different parts of the country, and and uh, you know in different parts of the United States and in other places, and so um, you know different challenges and different environments and stuff. So. Um, so as we do that, why don't we jump in and tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and and uh, where you're located. Well, um, we're located in Thetford, Nebraska, and we've been here 15 years. We ranch here with um, with my folks, Denny and Dixie Hoffman, and um, my wife Casey. Uh, she and I have three children: Haxton, he's 12 years old, and um, Kennedy's 10. And Hayden is eight. And um, anyway, Casey owns a hat company in town and has some other businesses around town and things like that, too. But um, keeps all the books for the ranch and um, pretty much most of the times a maintenance person for the ranch, too, it seems like. But um, anyway, and then uh, my folks are my dad's slowing down just a little bit on the day to day stuff. But um Dixie keeps all the registrations and handles partnerships and um, takes care of a lot of that, handles all our performance records and things like that. So everybody's pretty involved. The kids seem pretty interested in one way or another. Haxton, um, he likes it. He likes the cattle. Um, he's interested in the science part of it, um, probably more than any of us. And... Um, you know, whether it'll be directly with the cattle someday, I'm not sure. Um, he's got some other interests too. And, you know, we'll see if he wants to come back to the ranch and do this. That's great. If he wants to go do something else, that's great too. 
but um, at least the ranch will teach them how to work and how to strive after what you want. And, and um, everything else should seem like a vacation once you'd leave a ranch, I think. Any other job would be pretty simple. I, you know, you can, when you can clock in and clock out, not that, not that the good people do that. I mean, they usually marry up to it pretty good for a while, but I think this is a very valuable place to learn work ethic. Yeah, you bet. So, uh, so curious as we get off, uh, get off the subject a little bit, tell us about your wife's hat company. Well, it's a uh, bar none hat company. The bar none, the bar O was a family brand. Um, that the oars would have had for, I don't know, at least probably four generations. She had an aunt that had started Greeley Hatworks, then actually another aunt that was a hatter too. And uh, it's kind of an interesting story how all that started, but Casey took a liking to it. And um, after college, we got a loan, started her hat company. And um, anyway, it keeps her busy it, she always has she has a lot going on and she does a lot in town she does a lot for the family obviously and a lot here at the ranch um but she always has a really good job and something to go to at that hat shop and she sends hats all over the u.s and some all over the world you know um but anyway they're all handmade custom cowboy hats felt that's pretty cool. So, um, so tell us about, you know, how your, how your parents kind of got into the, into the business and, and, uh, walk us through that and, and how they started it and, and made the decision to, um, to come from California to Nebraska. And then, you know, maybe where you went to college and, and how you, uh, how you kind of got started after that. Well, my dad, he, um, I, I think it's really neat how my dad started, you know, and I was probably pretty lucky kind of being born into it but i i mean my dad's obviously the pioneer of the whole deal but he um his folks lived in town and his dad worked at a mill and um anyway he had um grandparents that had a small farm and um uh, maybe a great uncle that had some registered cattle somewhere along the line dad had um taking a liking to it and a magazine salesman come through town and my grandmother bought him a subscription to the Herbert journal. And, um, so he really took a shine on it. And then somewhere there, he was born in 49, somewhere there in the fifties, he bought a registered folder Herbert heifer from an uncle or a great uncle or something. And anyway, that was kind of the start of it, you know, and, Worked extremely hard, uh, sound like, and and his whole family did, I think. But he he was able to really pursue the cattle deal, and you know, uh, worked his way up, and people started taking notice, I guess. And he ended up being the herdsman at Stone Herford Ranch in Hermiston, Oregon. Uh, with Doug Bennett was the manager there, and and they had a great relationship, and it really formed my dad probably at that point. And, um, they, um, had as good a bull sale and probably as reputable of a bull sale as anybody at that point. And, and the owner of that place was a phenomenal guy, they say. And so dad had a lot of good opportunities there, but took a lot on himself. I mean, they can talk about, you know, he's trimming all the sale bulls. And I've heard this from other people. He doesn't tell you how hard he worked. He just did it. But, um, anyway, uh, 
you know, he had trim feet on all the sailboats, just him and his dog, you know, and clipped all the sailboats and, you know, all the horn weights and all the high maintenance stuff and had to do it without, you know, all the modern things that we have. And, but he had worked his way up there and then had had a partnership or two after the, after stones had dispersed, then ended up managing a couple places. Then we ended up in MacArthur, California. And he managed the county fair there for years. And when I was in about eighth grade, probably, uh, my folks got a divorce, uh, my dad and my mom. And somewhere early in high school, my dad had met Dixie. And and um, she had her roots also. And, you know, kind of one thing just kind of led to another. And she was teaching school and transferred down to MacArthur, where we lived. and started putting some cows together and by the time I you know I worked for a lot of other people in high school and and um, was able to go quite a bit and was exposed to some of the better guys in the industry and just kind of worked through it and once I got back then we started putting a lot more together once I kind of got back from college and stuff too you know but even through high school we were putting quite a bit together because we all loved it. Brands and Barbed Wire is sponsored by Jorgensen Land and Cattle, helping cattlemen build better cow herds for over 60 years. For 14 generations, Jorgensen's have bred and selected with the same goals in mind. Consistency with balanced trait, maternally focused females, and bulls with rapid growth, feed efficiency, carcass merit, and fertility. For more information about Jorgensen Land and Cattle, the nation's number one bull supplier, Visit JorgensenFarms.com and be sure to go back and check out the Jorgensen episodes to learn more about their history, family, and various Jorgensen programs. After I kind of got done with college and working at some other places, I went back home and we were still in California and with my folks and we really kind of started pushing things on a little bit. And um, anyway got to a point where you know we knew I mean I always knew and my dad always knew I think what he wanted to do and I always knew what I was going to do for sure with you know being in the seed stock business and I, I never knew where it would go but I knew that we would be very involved with it I was born into it but um you know was very very hungry for this too and passionate about it and um there was nothing else, you know, I played some sports and things like that when I was young and then got into high school. Um, you know, I kind of gave up everything just for the cattle and, and showing cattle at, at that point, you know, and that was awfully important and, um, to me and anyway, I had the family to work with too. And then, um, well, before I was going to graduate high school, I'd, um, told my dad, I don't really want to go to college. And he said, well, I don't really want you just to stay around here then and run around with a bunch of your old buddies and stuff like that. And if you're not going to go to college, you need to get a job elsewhere for a while. And um, anyway, I went to work for Mark McClinock at the Rock and Chair Ranch in San Angelo, Texas. And um, anyway, that was an unbelievable. I worked there a year and then Worked there several summers once I started college, but it was an unbelievable experience. Mark really knew pedigrees, and um, 
his type of cattle, I can still really visualize, you know, they were extremely pretty and perfect uttered, um, pretty deep, very functional. It, it was a neat experience and a neat ranch and had a lot of involvement with that place years after too. So you, your dad was, um, was working and, and running cows. And then when did he sort of make the jump from quitting his full-time job or did he retire? How did that, uh, how did that come about? It took a while, you know, and when we were in California, it was high desert pretty much. And, you know, you didn't rely on rains. We had to irrigate for almost all the grass we had. And, uh, he and Dixie both would get up even, this was even, for years after I was back from college, they'd get up, you know, and at daylight they were out changing water and I'd be out AIing cows or gathering cows. I was able to go home and pretty much take care of all the cattle and, um, and grow that. And, um, then they'd go their full-time jobs and, um, come home and, you know, they'd eat about five in the evening and then go back out until dark, you know, and, um, change water and, a lot of sprinkler pipe and things like that. I mean, so it was, um, I, I really hope they can look back and really respect the way they got to, I guess, where we're at. You know, I mean, they dang sure did it the hard way, but like I said, they were very hungry for it. And, and um, I think everybody earned it, you know. You bet. And so, so where did uh, where did you end up going to school and and uh, you know how did uh, how did you end up meeting your wife? After I worked at Rockin' Chair for a year, uh, Jerry Hawkins was the judging team coach at Clarendon Junior College in Texas, and um, he called me and said, "Hey, Dale Barber said I needed to call you and that um, you needed to come to school here." And I had done a little bit of FFA judging. I mean, we'd go to one or two places a year and judge. And the only reason we did that is because that's where a welding contest would be too. Our my high school was way more involved in that. And I didn't know much about livestock judging at all, you know. But the year I worked for Mark McClintock, I mean, he had talked about his judging team days and stuff like that a lot. You know, I didn't sure had interest in it, but I didn't know anything about it. And I don't think I ever, I know I didn't ever give a set of reasons before that. Anyway, so I ended up going to Clarendon Junior College, and it was it was unbelievable. I mean, you're there with so many kids with similar interests, and um, you know, I loved every minute of it. It was pretty intimidating at first, you know. I mean, there was kids that had judged in Europe and stuff, you know, that won national contests and stuff on our team, and I can remember hearing them give reasons when I got there, and I just wanted to leave, you know. <laughs> and they got ever be anything better, you know, or go anything further than what I was probably brushing on show cattle at the time. But anyway, uh, stuck with it and got along pretty good, had good success. And Jerry Hawkins, who was our coach, was so much more than a livestock coach. The way that guy looked out for us, the way he did even after I left there and went on, he always called and checked in. It was pretty phenomenal how he took care of us. And looking back, I don't think I ever appreciated it enough, you know. But from there, I went to Kansas State, and that was in Shockey's heyday. And I was pretty, you know, I we had an awesome team. We were the first, I think we were the team that, well, I know we were the team. I was trying to think, I think he'd won five or six national championships right in a row. And 
we were the team that broke his streak. We were second. <laughs> and uh, we'd won Kansas City. And I think we broke a record in Kansas City. And he said, uh, he told us, just just have a similar day like you did in Kansas City. And, you know, we should be fine. And anyway, we had a better day than we did in Kansas City. We got out of there with less of a drop. But um, Texas A&M just had an unbelievable day and, and beat us there. So, But anyway, there again, you know, that was... That was a good part of my life and a good relationship with coach and a lot of fun, a lot of fun come out of that. And there was a lot of talented people on our team and many still keep in touch with things like that, you know? So those were, I mean, for livestock kids and stuff, I just really hope they go and at least try judging because there's so many connections, if nothing else that come out of it, it's just, it's pretty phenomenal. And, from there, um, I worked at some other places and did some other things. Um, worked for Rock and Chair a little bit again and worked for Gerald Buck in Oklahoma some. And there I really learned a lot about marketing and presentation of sale cattle. At that point, you know, we're just kind of you know, clipping with 7112s and torching sale cattle and you got the girls and things were broke and they were clipped like show cattle. In fact, there's a lot of those people that buy heifers from him in the fall that would start showing the weekend after, you know, and learned a great deal about marketing and just the overall presentation of the place and the cattle there. So that was a huge deal for me and, and was able to make a lot of connections, you know, and relied on Gerald a lot at that point. And, you know, now, we do a lot together still. And, but anyway, that was a big part of my life there too. And then um, was able to go back and apply some of those things at home. I got the opportunity to go home and we had to fight and scrape for everything and pretty much had nothing. So you, you didn't think real big, you know, and some of the opportunities just got dumped in our lap are pretty unbelievable because Never, you know, I mean, I thought 150 cows was probably a lot, you know, at that time. And, and, um, probably obviously knew the cows better and knew the ins and outs of them better probably at that time. But just kind of one thing led to another and things were going okay there. We had a bull sale in California and I love selling bulls by far the most. I love selling, working with commercial guys and, I love that part of it. And it lets you breed the cattle you really want to, you know, and, and, um, somebody's going to appreciate it. And anyway, we had a bull sale out there and it was okay. Things were going decent. And, um, my dad had always had a fascination of the Nebraska Sandhills and wanting to get out here. Where did that fascination, I mean, where did it come from? I mean, had he, had he visited there, you know, with uh, looking at cattle or something? I mean, where, how did that, uh, how did that start? He had, and um, he had been back here and um, he had been through here, you know, over the years, probably several times and just really fascinated with them and knew people back here. And he just, he was really, really fascinated with the sand hills and the cow country it was and what it had to offer. Then a neighbor of ours out there had had um, MS and there was a van that was you know kind of catered to his needs it was designed for his needs um while while he was battling ms and 
anyway, um, I think he'd asked my dad if he'd come back and get it for him. And my dad flew like to Minnesota or somewhere and picked up this van. And anyway, came back here and went on a Nebraska Hereford tour and just spent time in the sand hills, you know. And I mean, it, it really, um, I don't know. I mean, it's just, he felt that this was the place to be, you know, and he worked at some really good areas too. And I kind of, you know, thought if we ever left, you know, there might be some possibilities in Texas or something like that. But um, anyway, he was really drawn to the sand hills and we'd talked about it some and knew something was coming. And I'd looked at a place down in the panhandle of Texas, actually. And, you know, I'm glad that didn't work out. And I can remember telling dad, ah, we're not going to do that. We're going to stick with you guys, whatever we do. And anyway, so he got a little more serious about looking for something back here and then talked to our banker in California enough and we'd had a good track record with her and a, and a good personal relationship. And she finally told him, you're going to do it. Now is the time to do it. And our first initial place here was about all we could afford to do at that time. Anyway, it's pretty small, but it's where I live. So anyway, uh, just things just really lined out and we were able to get here and, and get our feet on the ground and get started. Good deal. So tell us a little bit about the ranch there, the cattle operation. Uh, and and I know it's uh, we've talked a lot about Hereford and your background, but when when did you guys decide to get an Angus deal? And and uh, tell us a bit about that. Okay. Um, yeah. So we bought this first place that I live on, and and kind of got back here and got started. And I think we only had three loads of cows, kind of what we sold down to when we came. And anyway kind of got started and then um, kind of started getting some embryos put in our deal started growing first year we were here we had about 20 bulls and I think I sent half of them to Texas some to California and you know I didn't know you don't know a lot of people you know and there's a lot of bulls marketed out here so it started slowing and it grew pretty darn fast I mean started getting some fairly big accounts you know once people started seeing the uh, quality things like that but you know we were we were hereford breeders and had tried some other stuff at times but everything the hereford deal was always the most solid for us and what we knew and what we kept going back to and and probably about 12 years ago or so uh, i had the opportunity to buy sips's ball cabin angus cows that was a good buy i mean those were solid cattle and i mean i I just shipped like the last of them just this year. And some of them I didn't want to, you know, I mean, but they were getting a lot of age on them. And anyway, that was a good start for us. And then, so then we got really serious about it and, um, you know, bought some other cows, bought some herd bulls, um, you know, tied in some donor cows, things like that, that really got things going for us on the Angus side, you know, and I don't think people appreciate hearing it, but, Kind of our philosophy was we were going to make them as good as our Herford cows. And, you know, that's kind of an insult to a lot of Angus breeders. And I can understand that. And I don't, you know, I mean, Herford cattle at one time were probably less than desirable, but we'd kept them good. And, um, you know, but what I meant by that is just how they were built structurally and and the efficiency and, and want longevity and disposition out of them, you know. And I, I think, I mean, that's, just kind of how we built those cows. And 
I mean, we've just built them the way we liked them, and that's the way we like cattle, and that's the way we've designed cattle. So I think our Angus, from a structure standpoint, and uh, foot quality and longevity and efficiency match our Hereford cattle pretty good, and putting something to them composition-wise, you know, putting some muscle to them and putting some rib in them. Brands and Barbed Wire is sponsored by BRC Brahmins. BRC has created their own legacy by taking their time-tested bloodlines, breed-leading performance, and classic style into uncharted territories of genomic excellence and premium marbling, arriving as the unmistakable leader of destination in the modern American Brahmin. For more information and their upcoming events, visit brcutrer.com. That's B-R-C-U. T-R-E-R.com. So what do you think, um, you know, moving to Nebraska, and and like you said, I mean, there's lots of cattle there, but there's also lots of competition, lots of other purebred breeders, lots of, you know, established, um, you know, really good purebred breeders in the area. I mean, what do you think the the key to your success was when, uh, when you moved there? I don't know. We've gotten some good breaks and gotten some good bulls in the good places and then word of mouth just kind of started carrying it it felt like you know um our herefords were dang sure different i mean there there's other seed stock producers here in the state that we use genetics from so i mean you know there's a lot of good tools here but we've still kind of made them our own too and um just start getting some advantage there and then our timing on the hereford deal was really good um because it was about that turnover of generations that had been so black for so long that they were ready for Hereford bulls and not all of them were tied to somebody yet, you know, so our, our timing was pretty good on the Hereford deal. People um, weren't totally committed to other places yet, you know, and um, so a lot of them were first time Hereford users that started coming our way, but word of mouth did more for us than, than anything, you know, as far as getting bulls out there. Yeah, it's interesting. I think over the years I've seen, you know, people have a really, really, really good plan, but their timing wasn't quite right and it didn't work out. And, you know, and, and timing is, is sure something that can that can help out a bunch. So so kind of take us through uh, present day. I mean, you, 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 I assume you're having a pretty good size bull sale now and or a couple of them. And yeah. The last two falls, we, we've added an additional sale we've oh probably 10 12 years ago was our first spring sale and not long after we got here we started putting some bulls in uh, bill richel sale some perfect bulls and that was pretty good exposure for us but we kind of outgrew that um for what we were needing to sell and we started our own bull sale up here in the spring a february bull sale and first year was 100 bulls and then it climbed pretty fast um you know um, now it's 300 350 bulls. Then two falls ago, we started a November bull sale also where we'll sell about 150 bulls. We sell some private treaty bulls. It's 600, sometimes 700 bulls a year. I uh, got a couple of cooperators, you know, that bought cows from us and things like that. We put bulls in for, uh, long-term, you know, it's going to be, pretty much just all ours um we sold a 
big group of females and all our donor cows to Stell Blue Cattle Company in Wyoming. And uh, for the next five years, we have a commitment to him helping him market bulls and things like that. But the bulk of them are ours and stuff we raised. You know, um, we uh, we run well, probably almost eight hundred registered cows now, and and um, it's getting to be a pretty even split between Hereford and Angus. Um, there's just a lot of opportunity here. You know, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of really good established Angus herds around here too. Um, so, you know, I mean, we sell a lot of Angus bulls in the sand hills as well, but we got some pretty big accounts elsewhere too. We send a lot of bulls out of state, you know, the, the cream always goes in our sale, no matter what. I mean, bulls that make it to sale, you know, that's about 500 bulls between the two sales. And I mean, that, that is the cream. And, um, so we can offer a pretty superior product and still have good bulls to send to other places as well. You know, I've been lucky to get some really big accounts um, that take some volume. And some of them even take as wean bull calves. You know, we'll wean them for about 60 days. We've been pretty lucky that way. And again, it's just all connections and word of mouth that's landed those deals. But, you know, you got to send the right product too because they go into some pretty harsh environments especially two of our bigger deals, a huge range country, you know, and, and, uh, one big account goes right into the Arizona desert, you know, and, and, um, I just think it's pretty neat that bulls from here can go out there, you know, and do what they do, but, but you got to have the right foundation out of those cattle underneath those cattle and you can send them about anywhere. Yeah, that's interesting. That's pretty good growth in, uh, whatever, you know, 12 years, 15 years, whatever it's been from 20 bulls to, to 600 that's that's uh quite you know impressive yeah it's um i don't even know how i got there but we just kind of jumped on every opportunity to come our way and been connected with some really good people you know and and now there's a pretty long track record built with some of these guys and, and some of these volume guys and a lot of guys you know buy a herford bull and you won't see them for four or five six years you know and they come back and buy their herford bulls back here i mean there's already been about two or three turnovers of them and some people buy them every year and you know it's um we throw that number around i guess on how many bulls we sell and it's not to be um i don't know i don't i don't even really sometimes like to talk about it because some of my best relationships are with guys that buy one bull every three years you know or or one or two a year but it's um, all those add up too, you know, but it's um, this is neat country back here because a lot of the commercial guys, you can learn so much from because they're big operators and you can learn so much about the land from a lot of these guys are very, very progressive with their commercial cattle and have a plan. So your interaction, your daily interaction is um, it's just like you're in Disneyland. I mean, every corner, you know, there's something that interests you, you know, I mean. So you're, you stay pretty well stimulated, you know, it's, there's just so much, all these sand hills are only supported off the cattle. I mean, all the other businesses and stuff are because of ranchers, you know, so it's, um, it's pretty unique that way. And, and it's been awesome living here because there's just, just forget how much there is to learn. And, and we're, you know, we're still trying to figure out our ways running cattle in this country and stuff, but it's, um, 
it's pretty darn impressive that you can do what you love surrounded by people that are doing what they love and it all revolves around a cow yeah that's pretty cool so where do you see um kind of where do you see you guys going in the future what um uh, what type of, of challenges do you look down the road do you think you have to you're gonna have to address and you know where do you think this cattle business is going i just want this ranch to for so long it seemed like we did it for ourselves or just to scratch an itch or just to feed the hunger that we've had for our passion you know and then all of a sudden it gets up here and now it day to day it just scares you hanging on to it you know i mean it was fun building it and it's still fun don't get me wrong but i i just want to maintain things support my family and and hopefully give my kids an opportunity to come back here and not just my kids there's couple other families involved here that have kids also and um i want to give them a safe place to be able to experience this too and hopefully there's a lot of opportunity it's really funny you know i you just get such tunnel vision on what you're doing and and you keep chasing your own dreams and like we've hired a couple new guys here and you know if everybody was to last 10 years i, I hope they're here forever or until they find something to better themselves. But the next turnover of help or of staff could potentially have be having my kids involved. You know, I mean, my kids are getting to the age where now you just want to hold on to it, get them back. I, you know, we've shown cattle and, and done a lot of that. And, that. and that probably helped with some exposure to, you know, carloads of bulls and, and Denver and things like that. That helped sell bulls for sure and we've always really downplayed the show cattle part to our commercial guys because you know a show cattle deal can take a black eye but it's just like ranching or anything else if you're going to do it we do it to the extreme and we try and do it right and we want to be competitive you know and you want to do it with good cattle um the crossover on the hereford deal fits right in the i mean these show efforts and things like that you sell you can send their full brothers to nevada or wyoming or arizona you know and they're going to survive just fine i mean i love the balance that that breed has um so my kids are kind of going back to showing some herford heifers and things like that but you know outside challenges scare me interest rates scare me listen people talk about the 80s when these interest rates are climbing that that scares me because you know we're fairly leveraged in some areas so i hold on to it you know, I don't necessarily want to get any bigger. I say that and we've picked up a lot of ground to lease this last year. Now we're running on over 30,000 acres and we have a lot of commercial heifers and things like that too, but that are from our customers and they're all sired by our bulls. But anyway, you know, I, I think the industry has challenges every day, you know, from outside people that don't have a clue what it takes to feed them. That's frustrating and probably need to get more involved on things like that. You know, we always just kind of kick it down the road that somebody's taking care of it for us. It gets pretty real pretty fast. Coming from a liberal state like we did in California where you're regulated to death, that's scary, you know, because we lived in just a straight up ranching and farming community. Never lived in a big town. I mean, I lived out in the middle of nowhere pretty much my whole life. And, um, you know, that scares me 
short term on this cattle deal, I would take something catastrophic to knock the wheels off of this. Um, the cow kill has been huge. The numbers are slim. If COVID did nothing else for us, it taught people how much they needed beef in their household. And that that is the best protein there is that they can provide for their family. It's the best nourishment. You know, I think COVID did us some favors as far as um, consumption. People, and even as high as meat got, it was unbelievable. But people started grilling at home and doing things. You know, families, relative of mine in California, I saw him a couple of years ago. And he was telling me, you know, through COVID that um, you'd go to a Home Depot or a Lowe's and you couldn't find a barbecue grill anywhere. Well, you know, a majority of what they're grilling is definitely beef, you know. And it's cool again. It's popular again. You know, um, people need it. And some serious setbacks that have hurt ranchers have actually put this market in a position where it'll last longer than it did the last upturn, I feel. You know, I mean, we're so far behind on numbers and um, consumption is very popular. Uh, I think things are really headed in the right direction. You know, I think this is very, very good. I think the cow-calf guy definitely feels like we'll be in the driver's seat if he's got the inventory. It's going to be pretty high to buy the inventory from here on out for a while. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So so tell us, um, you know, as we wrap up here, tell us if, if people wanted to learn more about your operation and, and get, a, get in touch with you guys, how would they do that? They can have my phone number. It's 530-604-5096. Website, hoffmanranch.com. Um, we got a Facebook page. Not all the time do we keep everything up like we should, but um, the direct contact's easy to do, and or you can email us. But we're pretty available. This is what we do. And, and um, you know, uh, anyway, you'll be able to get a hold of one of us for sure. We will get back to you. And, and if anybody ever wants to come out to the ranch, plan a whole day because it takes a lot of running around to kind of see some of the things we'd want to show you. But um, people are more than welcome to come out and tour. We've had a couple of big tour groups through here lately and things are definitely scattered. We kind of have stuff everywhere, but um, people are more than welcome to come out, you know, and I just, you know, if anybody ever has a kid that wants to come out on an internship or something like that, we'd be more than uh, more than happy to do that too we uh we've helped a lot of people get started a lot of people have come through here you know, in the last 15 years that are working at other places now to doing a good job so anyway there's always plenty to do yeah well, that sounds great i uh i expect it takes a little while to cover uh, a bunch of cows on thirty thousand acres i i, I would imagine uh, we got really really good people around us and we're almost to a point where our deal almost balances and makes sense now. And we kind of got spring herds in one place and fall herds in another. And we kind of fill in all the cracks with, you know, with our bread heifers or commercial bread heifers or stuff. It's it's finally coming together. You know, we say that every year and then we take on something else. But I'm definitely not looking <laughs> to get any bigger, looking to do a better job of what we have. But um. I'd like for people to come see the cattle and, you know, we've kind of built them the way we like to look at them, but we've built them the way they'll survive anywhere. And anyway, people are more than welcome to come out. 
Well, that sounds good. Well, I appreciate your time today on Brands and Barbed Wire and uh, look forward to catching up with you down the road and see how things progress. Yeah, hey, thanks a lot. For our producer, Carlos Cheraboga, I'm your host, Jim Johnson. God bless and thank you for listening to Brands and Barbed Wire. The Brands and Barbed Wire podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share. You can also find additional content at our Brands and Barbed Wire Facebook page and at brandsandbarbedwire.com. We hope you enjoyed Brands and Barbed Wire. Brands and Barbed Wire is sponsored by Jmar Genetics. Visit jmargenetics.com for more information about our annual Charlet Bull and Female Sales, where we offer the most comprehensive information available on our bulls, including feed efficiency, performance testing, ultrasound, foot, and docility scores. JMAR Sired Bulls are topping sales across the U.S. and Canada. Check out jmargenetics.com to find the right JMAR herd sire for you.